There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Catherine, you may have solved one of the big problems of the world. Good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. What an introduction. <laughs> Lovely to speak to you, as always. But there is that time, isn't it, when you just want them to listen and do what you ask them to do and just, eh. ah, how do you do it? I know, it's. I think it's one of the endless issues that we parents have. And it comes up all of the time, whether it's in my clinic or whether I'm in the queue in SuperValue, And people will start talking about how do you get your kids to listen. And that's why I wrote the guide, because I was thinking if we could just reduce the stress a little bit, then family life would be just that bit more enjoyable for everyone. Now, are you talking about the four-year-old sitting in the trolley who's trying to grab sweets and you want them to stop? Or, Or what situation are you talking about? So I wrote this guide for anyone who's parenting toddlers to teenagers. You know, so it's it's not that it's specific to the age of the child. It's actually just about how we interact with people. And I think the first thing is really to just understand why it's so hard to get kids to listen. And really, it's like no one likes being told what to do. I don't. You don't. And, and certainly nobody likes to be interrupted when they're doing something they enjoy. Mm. So already we are set up for, OK, this could be a stress point. Then when you take that we've got totally different competing priorities, like we want to get stuff done and our kids want to do their own developmental task. So the four-year-old, their developmental task is playing. The 14-year-old, their developmental task is developing their independence. You know, so at each age, they all have their own developmental tasks that they are biologically driven to work on. So with that in mind, how do you set yourself up for success? Yeah. Well, I suppose the the, the first thing, and it's where I start with all of my interventions, is for parents to reflect on their usual communication style. Now, I don't know about you, PJ, but I am certainly guilty of uh, throwing instructions over my shoulder like confetti. Yeah. And then being surprised when it doesn't work. So if you can think about how do you usually ask your children to do something? And then think about when do you usually ask them to do something? So that how and when is really important. So if your child is really engaged in something, if they're, you know, at the key point in their game, whether it's an online game or a a physical game or whether they're watching something, you're kind of setting yourself up for failure. 
So the first thing is look at how you ask, then look at your timing. If it needs to be done right now, then you can go on to the next step, mm. which is connection. So you want to think about, okay, how can I connect with my child first? You know, you so soften... Again, if you want your child to say, do something simple, help with taking out the bin. Yeah. Don't, don't ask them to do it while they're watching Dora. Yeah, and it's not that we want to raise a generation of privileged little kids who don't help out. I'm not suggesting that at all. What I am suggesting is we really think about how we're going to ask things. So we're going to reduce conflict points while still getting the job done. Mm. You know, I, I'm a huge believer in getting kids to help out. I think it reduces all of our stress. But second of all, it helps them be good members of society. It helps them, you know, I was talking about that development task of the 14-year-old is independence. Well, actually getting them to help out is part of that. Mm. It's part of that journey. So, but if you want to make it more likely that they'll do it, step two is to connect. Now, this is where we're all very guilty. We think that our facial expression might be neutral. But if you catch sight of yourself in the mirror, which I did a couple of months ago when I was asking something and I saw this harsh facial expression and I thought I was neutral. So deliberately soften your facial expression and your body language. If you're feeling stressed or overwhelmed, it's actually even more important because you could be unintentionally having a harsh facial expression. And what that does is it gets their back up straight away. It's like, what? What now? What did I do? Okay. You know? Okay. So that if you go up to your child with the intention of joining them in their world before you ask them to join you in yours. So let's say they're watching something. Sit down next to them, if you can. Give it a minute or two and say, come here, this looks great. Now, I haven't a clue about this show. Tell me who's this one. You know, and just just having a bit of a chat. And it's not fake. You know, you're actually deliberately trying to show your interest and be interested, not faking it. Mm-hmm. And and there's a very key reason for this. Look, research shows that we're more open to the influence of others if we feel connected to them. So this is going to feel good for both of you, but also it's going to make it more likely that they'll listen to you. My my immediate instinct is, Catherine, um, this is my failing. Like, while you're having this lovely conversation, the task at hand isn't getting done. I know. And you see, you're not going to be able to do this all the time. Yeah. If you can aim for 30%, 30% is good enough. And I talk about good enough parenting all the time. Good enough is good enough. Mm. If you're rushing out the door to work, you won't get these steps done. But there are going to be times when you can get the steps done. And each time you do it, you reduce your stress. You reduce your child's stress. You get more harmony. They Mm. get a chance to practice the skills of helping out. Do you get less side eye? Say that again. Do you get less side eye? Ah, yeah. Look, we all know there's a way to ask for things. Do you know, I'm talking about, you know, treat your kids like you would treat a guest. We would never throw instructions over our shoulder to a guest. Mm. We'd be saying, come here, uh, sit down there and have a cup of tea. Now, would you mind helping me with this? You know, and look, we, we save the best of our social interaction for people we don't know. So I'm just talking about trying to bring a little bit of that into your everyday with your okay. kids. Okay, okay. Will I go on to step three? Do. Attention. That's the hardest thing to get, if you ask me. Oh, yeah. So resist the urge to back orders from across the room. We know this doesn't work for us. And yes, we are 
endlessly surprised when it doesn't work with our children. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So you want to try and get in close. Get down to eye level if you can. Now, this is more important with smallies, but even with your teenagers, if they're sitting down, don't stand up above them because that's a power thing. And they that, again, gets their backs up. So I have these very six simple six steps, but there's loads of research behind each one. Yeah. So come down to their if, you know, if it's appropriate, their shoulder gently and say their name. Now, don't say anything yet apart from that. This is where you just get that attention. Resist the urge to start blurting out your instruction. Wait for them to look towards you. And then, once you have their attention, you can go on to step four. But this is the part we normally skip to, but this is where you say what you want to happen in clear, simple, positive language. Mm. Now, we're all guilty of doing an awful lot of blah, blah, blah here giving loads of instructions at once, whereas if you can just pare it down <laughs> and one instruction at a time, ideally. I'm, I'm going to jump to an example, which is a very significant one, and I think it probably involves any child from, I suppose, 8 to yes. 16, right? The bedroom, Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> the bloody bedroom that you really do think that the only thing that will sort out that problem is a flamethrower. <laughs> How do you get that hovel sorted without causing World War Three? This is such a great example, PJ. <clears throat> so, there's a number of different ways you can approach this. I'm going to talk about the pinnacle. I'm not expecting everybody to get this all the time. Sure. Okay, but I'll just give you an example. So let's say child, 10 years old. Teenagers are slightly different. I'll go through that in a second. So 10 years old, you go in and sit down and you do your chatting and you're, you're being connected with them. You sit down and you're softening your facial expression, softening your words and just having the chit-chat and you're in the room and look around and you can say, where there's a fair old bit of stuff around, isn't there? So you're just saying it in a neutral way. You're drawing attention. And say, do you know, when I come in here, I feel a little bit stressed with the mess. What's mm-hmm. it like for you? So again, you're just trying to draw correlations between how you feel and how it's related to the environment. Mm-hmm. And you could say, it seems like you're, you're finding it hard to keep it tidy. Come here, will I give you a hand? Let's, let's clean it up. And I'd give you so, a hand. What you said to me is don't, <laughs> is don't go straight to Jesus what died in here. Don't go oh, straight to that. Treat your child like a visitor. So if you were a guest staying, you wouldn't be going and say, this is a pigsty. Would you ever clean it up? <laughs> <laughs> you'd say, come here, will I give you a hand? Right. And you'd be recognising, look, it's this, because this happens in nearly every house, we should recognise that this is a developmental task because yeah. they need our support yeah. rather than us constantly freaking out. So I'm only interested in doing what works. And people might be listening here saying, Jesus, shouldn't they, sorry, shouldn't they just be cleaning their room anyway? Well, we would like that to be the way, but I'd also like to be a millionaire and that's not the way either. Yeah. So we've got to work with what we have. So then you help them to clean it up and like ideally, you look most kids have way too much in their rooms. I'm a believer that the rooms are for sleeping and reading and no toys. If you have toys in there, your kids are set up for failure right away. The more stuff they have in there, the harder it is to organise. And then when you've done it, 
take a picture of what done looks like. Because an awful lot of kids don't know what done looks like. They don't have the organisational skills to see where things need to go. Take that picture, print it out and stick it up. Take a picture of what the wardrobe looks uh, like when it's organised and stick it on the inside of the wardrobe. Take a picture of what the bookshelf looks like when it's organised and stick it on the bookshelf. Take a picture of what the bed looks like when it's made and stick it on the bed or on the wall. So the child has a picture of done. And then each day you talk about resetting your room. So if you want your child to develop a new habit, we know from all the research on habits, you need to stack the habit onto something they're doing already. So after you get up, then you make your bed. Mm. And you could even write that up there. You know, after you get up, then you make your bed. And like I, I do loads of stuff with this, like loads of really practical things, like my own fridge at the moment. Like that's where I keep all the the jobs board. And because the morning routine is different now in the summer, there are actually only three jobs on there, which is um, make your bed, eat your breakfast, and brush your teeth. Yeah. You know. So and again, it's just things that they don't habitually do so I know they need extra help to do it rather than me going ballistic every morning. Have you brushed your teeth? You know like we... But does it not become or should it not become habitual Catherine? You see it does but we need support for it to become habitual so why do we as adults keep doing things and saying things to our kids that don't work? I'm interested in dropping everything that doesn't work and just doing more of what does and these six steps, they really, really work. Do I go on to step five? Do. So after you, ask your, after you tell your child what you want them to do, then you do the hardest thing that there is for us parents, and that's wait. Resist the urge to repeat yourself. How <laughs> many more times have I to... T- I know. And even count to ten in your, in your head, because some kids have a delay with the processing they could have difficulty switching their attention from one task to another. Because, again, this is part of brain development. Or maybe they just couldn't be bothered. There's also that. Remember, the first thing I said is none of us like being told what to do or (laughs) like being told to stop doing what we like. (laughs) So then, right, if you don't get a response, go back to step one. Reflect on how and when you asked. Connect. Get their attention again and then restate the instruction, probably in simpler language. And then go on to step six, which is support. Help your child follow through by giving them whatever support they need to get the job done. Now, this could be a timer. Come here in 10 minutes now, I'm going to need you to clear up your room. Mm. The visual reminder, you might write it up because my kids often ask me to do something right and I'd be in the middle of work and I'd say, oh yeah, I'll definitely do that and it goes clean out of my head even though I have full intention of doing it because I'm absorbed in a task and our children are just the same. So visual reminders, the job boards like I have on my fridge. For an older child, you might get them to put a reminder in their own phone mm-hmm. because again, you're working on developing their independence and then breaking the task down or simply offering to help. So for my younger kids, my five-year-olds, like if I say to them, clear up the living room, they stand there helpless or their usual favourite rolling around on the floor. But if I say to them, now I want you to pick up every Playmobil character and put it in this box, then they will do it. 
Right. I break the task down. Be clear about what it is you want them to do. Catherine, Catherine Hallisey, psychologist, is your Facebook page and the, the, the guide is available through there and the video is on there. And I'll actually give you the link. It's uh, catherinehallisey.com. Help my kid listen. All right. Listen, great talking to you as always, Catherine. Catherine Hallisey, uh, child psychologist. Courts 96 FM.